This week, it's a tale of generations, a tale of a neighborhood, and a tale of free black folks making a life for themselves in New York. Follow the Harrison family through three generations on the Weeksville Project, right here on Radio Drama Revival. Hey folks, welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the podcast that showcases the diversity and vitality of modern audio fiction. I'm your host, David Reinstrom. Weeksville! If you're not from New York, you might not have heard of it. In fact, if you're from New York, you still might not have heard of it. It was only rediscovered in 1968. But, cast your minds back. 181 years ago, a free black Virginian named James Weeks purchased a large plot of land in Brooklyn, which in 1838 was not yet a borough of New York City. That wouldn't happen for another 60 years. In fact, in 1838, the Brooklyn neighborhoods today of Flatbush and Williamsburg were their own independent towns, not yet consolidated into the city of Brooklyn, which was itself not yet consolidated into New York City. So when you cast your minds back to imagine Weeksville, I want you to imagine, if not a rural place, not anything approaching Manhattan. At least, not at first. Weeksville became a place for free black folks, especially freedmen who had escaped bondage in the run-up to the Civil War. The village grew and strengthened. It built churches, established a newspaper, served as a safe haven for black people during the Civil War draft riots in Manhattan. And then, the Brooklyn Bridge was built. Consolidation came, and the city of New York swallowed Weeksville up, and it was forgotten. Today, it's part of the Crown Heights neighborhood of Brooklyn. It was forgotten until 1968, when some of Weeksville's old houses were discovered, which launched the first Weeksville project, an archaeological dig powered by summer interns from the Neighborhood Youth Corps under the guidance of Bedford-Stuyvesant community activists, led by historian James Hurley, engineer Joseph Haynes, and researchers Dolores McCullough and Patricia Johnson. And from that, the Weeksville Heritage Center was born to chronicle the story of this neighborhood. Now, flash forward 50 years from 1968. To mark the anniversary of the foundation of the Weeksville Heritage Center, Brooklyn producers T.K. Dutess and Conscious Walker assembled a creative team to tell the story of Weeksville as an audio drama. It was originally performed live and has now been recorded as a studio production. This is the story of a neighborhood. It's bigger than one person, than one family. Settle in for the story of Weeksville in three parts. Let's take a listen. The Weeksville Project, Cumberland Harrison, Part 1. Written by J. Michael Kinsey and performed by the Bonfire Radio Theater Ensemble. Between 1845 and 1850, the population of Brooklyn nearly doubles to 80,000, but was quite a bit smaller than the borough we know today. Brooklyn, in the middle of the 19th century, is its own independent city comprised of six modest villages. We were already known as the city of churches, and the Fulton Ferry District, Brooklyn Bridge Park before the bridge, was live and jumping. Places we know as neighborhoods now, like Williamsburg and Brooklyn Heights were towns of their own, 
James Weeks, an African-American freedman from Virginia, bought the land which marks the beginning of Weeksville, which grows to the largest independent Negro town in the nation before the Civil War. Plots for sale advertised in the New York Times and elsewhere, beginning in 1838, drew Black men of means who eventually rented and sold to folks across class lines. Bordered by Fulton Street, Troy, Ralph, and East New York Avenues, it was a harbinger of those fleeing racial violence with its independent paper, the Freedmen's Torchlight, rivaling the Brooklyn Daily Eagle, churches, school, the Howard Colored Orphan Society, the headquarters of the African Civilization Society, and home for the aged. Weeksville was rich in people and culture. By the 1850s, its population was over 500, with 40% Southern-born and two born in Africa. Thank ye, God. Made it. Well, I ain't the Lord, but I'm sure glad you made it safe. Been inspecting a new group. Where the rest of you? You the man I'm supposed to meet for shelter? Last I know, everybody calls me Aunt Miriam, and bearing 11 children don't make me no man. Excuse me, ma'am. I just speck a man. Suman can make you an ass, and I know they ain't drop off no ass for freedom. I'm sorry, ma'am. Call me Aunt Miriam, and it's all right. Things here in Weeksville much different than where you from. We got strong women who supporting, and we got smart men who respect them. What you mostly need to know right now is that you safe. Thank you, ma'am. I mean, Aunt Mary. Mm-hmm. Here, we can protect you, but you got to get your education. Educated in your books, but also on what's going on in the world. Times are changing for our people. Come on over here and help me fold up these here linens for you. What happened to you? Hurt my foot straight in front of them hounds. Had to kill two of them so I could get back to the route. But I made it. By the Lord's grace, I made it here. Well, your name, boy? Cumberland. Cumberland Mayfield Harrison. Well, Cumberland, I guess the spirits is with you on your journey. Guess you supposed to be here. And with that, I feel much better about you. You don't look like an ass no more. Hold tight right here while I go up and gather the rest of your things. Before I take you to your new home. Yes, ma'am. Oh, freedom. Oh, freedom. <clears throat> oh. Excuse me, sir. Who are you and what are you doing giving a concert in the church basement? <laughs> Ain't no such thing, ma'am. Uh, just rejoicing, since I just come from a mighty long way seeking solace and peace. You been dropped off? Yes, sir. I was told to meet Aunt Miriam. She met me and put me in my place and told me to wait till she get back. I see. Well, this may be your stop on the road to freedom, but this here is First Bethel African Methodist Episcopal Church. The first here in Weeksville. And we got three others, too. What else do you know, miss? I didn't catch your name. And I didn't throw it. (laughs) But I can fetch it. They call me Cumberland. I'm Cumberland Mayfield Harrison. Miss Virginia Joyce Brown. Well, Miss Virginia Joyce Brown, 
What a pretty name for a strong woman like yourself. You gonna let me fetch it? Hold your horses, Mr. Harrison. You can't be talking like that to the daughter of the most respected preacher here in Weeksville. Oh, a preacher's child. My mama had a position in the church, too. Well, you ought to know better, then. I suppose you can't teach me more about the ways to be upstanding here in Weeksville. <sighs> Mr. Man, I can probably teach you a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Virginia, can you come over here and let me take your hand? Jenny, that's you down there with Cumberland. I hope you're not scaring him away with your most winning personality. You know you got your own peculiar way with men. No, ma'am. I'm just here helping Mr. Harrison get a better understanding of the way we do things in Weeksville. That's what I was afraid of. Well, I see you have Mr. Harrison's things together. I'm going to just get back to tidying up the sanctuary for service in the morning. Needed to come down here and fetch a few more Bibles. Mm-hmm. And make sure you're ready to lead my favorite morning hymn. Maybe you and... Cumberland can start leading songs together since you both like to chirp like little hummingbirds. Yeah, maybe. Good night, Mr. Harrison. Good night, Miss Brown. Love you, Aunt Miriam. Mm-hmm. Well, ain't you the prize at the pie-eating contest? She's a fine woman. Now listen, I know you're young, feeling free and open, but you just got to Weeksville leaving a nightmare you'll never forget. It's time you get your head straight and figure out what a life of freedom really means. Yes, ma'am. Aunt Miriam. Uh, oh, yes. Aunt Miriam. First things first, ain't nothing in this world free. Freedom costs. Come on to the house and you can meet others getting started just like you. You can't stay there forever, but it will help you get a fresh start and set you up for a better life. Aunt Miriam. I'm very thankful for all that you're doing. Listen, Cumbie. Here, in Weeksville, you have the opportunity to do many things. Great things if you want to. That child, Jenny, you got your eye on. She is mischievous and silly, but she is also very smart and the daughter of Reverend Meacham Brown III. Before Reverend Samuelson opened up his church, Reverend Brown was the premier preacher here in Weeksville. The Brown family is very important. This church is the heartbeat of our town. I understand about religion. My mama led the quiet Negro church on our plantation every Sunday before Colonel Harrison sent her away. I miss her. When she went away, I would lead the choir. Not as good as her, but led with her and God in my heart. And you keep that love of her and the love of God. What kind of skills you got, hmm? What you good at? I'm good with my hands, and I believe I'm a good cook. My mama's food was celebrated all over McCormick County down in South Carolina. I reckon she passed that talent on to me, too. Well, listen, Cumby. You're going to have to earn your keep while you're living at the boarding house. You say you can cook, well, you can do the weekend cooking. I do the cooking during the week, so you don't have to worry about that. Bartholomew was the weekend cook, but he's worked his way up to becoming a shoemaker. That's a good job to have if you're trying to impress that sassy gal, Jenny, who you had your eyes on earlier. I reckon I can handle that. I reckon I can handle Jenny, too. I reckon I didn't give you a choice. And you watch yourself with Jenny, because if you bark up that tree, you got an answer to Reverend Brown, and he ain't keen to young bucks with fresh cotton underneath their fingertips. 
We inland and cut cane, Aunt Mary? Mm-hmm. Look over there. How do, Salem? Evening, Aunt Miriam. You coming by for your order? Tomorrow. Thank you. Yes, Aunt Miriam. Night. Good night now. That's Salem Rogers. He's the butcher around here, and he got himself 50 pigs. Maybe I can see if he got some work you can do. That'd be right fine. I know I could do that well. Over there is where our children go to school. Your precious Jenny is the head teacher there, and she does a fine job. You know she's at that age where it's time to have her belly full, if you get my meaning. Aunt Miriam, let's just focus on getting me settled with shelter and work. Just before I left Carolina, I was working, rotting and ciphering. You think Jenny or any of the teachers at that school be willing to help me? Most certainly, Cumby. And you can use our paper, The Freedman's Torchlight, to work on your reading until you get a suitable teacher willing to work with you. Jenny should not be that suitable teacher. I suspect no reading would get done anyhow. Oh, Aunt Miriam, stop. Well, I'm stopping, because here we are. This here is your new home. Take your shoes off at the door. Don't want you trampling the filth of the world on my clean floors. I board just a small amount to keep y'all paying attention to your dreams and not wasting away drinking and chasing fast girls. I got so many dreams, and I'm going to make it too. Aunt Miriam, I've dreams about doing important work, having a job that earns folks respect. I know I wasn't meant to cut cane for the whole of my life. I got to do something else, something big. I dreams about having a fine woman to hold and protect, us married, loving and fighting and raising babies. I dreams all about... All that will come with your prayers and hard work. We can talk about all that after church tomorrow. Breakfast is at 7 a.m. sharp, and we leave for church at 7.45. You not gonna have women running in and out of my door, and you have one week to find you a stable job. Everyday supper is at 5.00. And when I'm cooking, you better not be late to my table. Humbie, I know you're tired. Give me your hands. Lord, we come before you humbly saying thank you for this child. Thank you for keeping him whole. On his first night, Lord, give him peace. Let his strong back find a break from holding up all the hurt, pain, sorrow he has faced. Give him the strength to grow and do all the important things he's been dreaming to do. Stay with him, Lord, as he finds his way in our dear town. Cumby. Lord, uh, thank you for your protection as I travel through the swamps and the woods and the rivers and creeks. I wouldn't have made it without you guiding me to freedom's land. Please bless Aunt Miriam and bless her heart for making a place for a young stranger. I'm praying for the people of Weeksville. God, make it so I can come together in this place real easy like and that I prosper. God bless Jenny and the plans I have for that gal. And Mama, God, I pray for my mama and hope she knows she's still deep in my heart. That's it. These and all other blessings we ask in the name of your sweet son, Jesus. Amen. Welcome home, son. Here, you can rest easy. How I made it over 
You know my sound Look back and wonder How I made it over After the 1863 draft riots in Manhattan, where blacks were beaten and killed, Weeksville became a refuge for those who fled. As the community grew, it was subsumed into the city of Brooklyn and then New York City once consolidation occurred on January 1st, 1898. With its city hall, now Borough Hall, and elevated trains rumbling down Myrtle Avenue and Prospect Park dotting the center of the borough. The Brooklyn Bridge spans the East River, connecting the newly formed city, and Brooklyn is a thriving metropolis. The Brooklyn Academy of Music has been operating for 40 years. Grand Army Plaza is laid out, and Pratt Institute is a premier destination for arts education. The Brooklyn Museum and Brooklyn Public Library are venerable institutions, and Booker T. Washington has given a speech on full emancipation at the Brooklyn Academy of Music, and Weeksville is changing. Home to Dr. Susan Smith McKinney Stewart, Brooklyn's first black woman physician and the third black physician in the country, it now borders on the newer Bedford-Stuyvesant and Crown Heights, where the first museum for children opened in December of 1899. The community sees an increase in European immigrants, primarily German, and its borders are shrinking with it, gradually becoming part of its Crown Heights neighbor. It's time for you to rest, Cumby. We got all we need. I work too hard to just let everything go. You're not letting it go. It's staying in the family. It's not going anywhere. But he's not ready. And before you know it... You've been taking that carriage ride down Fulton six days a week for 30 years. And before that... You almost broke your back cooking, cleaning, herding pigs. All matter of work. It's time. Mm. Woman always got something to say. (laughs) It's time, all right. Everybody's here. Come on in from Nicole. Hello, Mama. Daddy. Welcome, welcome. How we missed you all, Mother Harrison. Say hi to grandmother and grandfather. Bring that baby over here so I could give her some sugar and take her upstairs for a nap. Paulette, how's the trip up from Philadelphia? Must be comfortable from all those books, pamphlets, and speaking everywheres. That's my cousin, Cumby. Only I can get in her business like that. So, how goes it? You know... i tell you how goes it. Read what you said in the New Age, let... Without folks like you, people like me never make it up north. Well, I'll take your bag up to my old room, cousin. I reckon it won't be as comfortable as all those books and pamphlets. <laughs> this bag shows heavy. It sure is. And I'll be a hell of a lot more comfortable when all these books get sold after my talk at the Brooklyn Historical Society tomorrow night. It's going to be a full house for you, huh? Be speaking to the Women's Society at 4 p.m. sharp, and you better not arrive a minute later. Sister Moses is tired. I'll come to speak in her place. Wouldn't miss it for the world. Have some warm cider, everyone. Sherry, too, 
if you're feeling like you need a nip. Millicent, won't you play something for us? Of course, I'd love to, Mother Harrison. Looks like things have changed some around here in Weeksville. It certainly has. In the ten years since you've been, we got that new bridge. I'm sure you rode in over it. All of which brought us new neighbors we ain't too keen on. And Jenny's got this grand idea to get me to give up my work. To do what? Watch my every step. Mama wants me to step in and take over for Pop. Then why not? You do all the work over there anyway. <laughs> Women's always got something to say. Mind yourself, Paulette. <laughs> I built that place from the ground up. I'm one of the first Negroes to own a mercantile down by Fulton Ferry Landing. I just can't give all that up. Well, you wouldn't be giving it up. You'd be passing it down. Isn't that why we work so hard? He knows it inside and out, and he's your son, Cumberland. And what is it you would do instead, Isaiah? There's some changes I want to make, even expanding the business. But Pops won't let me. I guess I could starve fresh if I can't be half the man Pops is in Weeksville. Take everything I know to Chicago or Oklahoma where there's more room to grow. Weeksville is changing. New folks coming in. Who's to say it won't turn out like Seneca Village? What about the great things happening here? We own this house free and clear. Your house almost paid for and we own the building the shop is in. Negroes doing well in Weeksville. We educate our people. We care for our own here. Why would you abandon this place we built? In order for Negroes to keep doing well, Negroes need to stay here in Weeksville. Your daddy got some good points there. You fight for your freedom where you at. You don't know about dogs on your trail pushing you into the swamp so that they lose your scent. Sleeping in treetops, hiding in folk cellars, doing everything possible to get to freedom so I don't get strung up on a tree like moist laundry to dry. You never had to dream of freedom. That business is a dream I almost died for. You did all those things so he wouldn't have to. Pops, you the strongest man I know. But things are different now. You took risks, let me take mine. Son, you listen here. Times may be different, but things ain't changed much. Oh, y'all done woke the baby. I'll go get her. Now, you have to let him be his own man, Cumby. The same look you had in your eyes when you met Aunt Miriam, he has now. Oh, you're right. A man has to make his own decisions. So you're going to let me make the changes down at the shop? If it means keeping you, Millicent, and my grandchild here, yes. Since you all got a deal now, can we eat? The Weeksville Project, Mimi Harrison, Part 3. Written by Nicole Perkins. Performed by the Bonfire Radio Theater Ensemble.
York and Brooklyn have continued to transform. Over 1.6 million Black Southerners have migrated to points north and west since 1916. The Brooklyn Academy of Music has moved to its current home, and the Brooklyn Dodgers' bats are cracking in Ebbets Field. Margaret Sanger has opened the first family planning and birth control center in Brownsville, and the subways have expanded to include the L, B, D, and Q lines, the latter which take you all the way to Coney Island, where the cyclone debuted on June 26, 1927. The population of Brooklyn has also changed, with a large influx of Jews from Eastern Europe settling in Midwood, Flatbush, and Borough Park. Weeksville, as an independent community, had all but disappeared. Black migrants from the South and the Caribbean poured into the neighboring community of Bedford-Stuyvesant, making it the second largest Black community in the city, the first Harlem. These were the new places to be and be seen. Harlem especially. Known as the home of the New Negro and the eponymous Renaissance, Harlem was now the center of New York's Black world. Miriam, my baby girl, so glad to see you. Come on in here. Let me cut off this music. Hello, Father. You sound so serious. Come on and give me a hug. I got supper just about ready. Uh, okay. I got some things I want to talk to you about. So do I, Father. And things like this always go down better with food. Now, your mother was the cook. God bless her soul. But I do all right. I ain't dead yet. Don't say that. Who got into you? Come on in the dining room so we can sit down and talk. You're not moving. What's going on? Daddy. Oh, you must want something. <laughs> well, that's fine. Because I need something from you, too. Daddy, I have to stop working at the store. I'm going to be a singer. What did you say? I'm quitting the store so I can be a singer. Peter says my voice is unlike anything he's ever heard, and he has connections so I can make an album. A whole album of me singing, Daddy. Isn't that just grand? You think your mother and I sacrificed all these years so you can sing on somebody's record? You think your grandparents broke their backs so you could abandon everything they built just because some white boy thinks you sound pretty? That's not fair. Peter loves me and wants what's best for me. You know I've been singing up in Harlem after the store closes. Peter thinks I can make it big in Paris. He I don't see Peter coming around here in the light of day telling you how much he loves you. I don't see Peter trying to keep this neighborhood together. I need your help. Things are changing too much, and I can't keep up. What do you mean? <sighs> Stores in trouble. The neighborhood is different now. All these new people coming in. They got their goods elsewhere. I'm, I'm having a hard time making ends meet. I'm sorry, Daddy. I'm getting old, Mimi. I wanted you to take over the store. Bring some new fresh blood into it. Tell me what we need to keep up with these changing times, but... I can't. I've seen how you and Mother worked. I remember the stories Grandfather Cumberland and Grandma Jenny used to tell, but that's not what I want for my life. Are you saying you're too good for hard work? No, sir. I just want my hard work to be for my life, not for me living someone else's dream. 
Excuse me, little miss. Daddy, sit down, please. I'm so grateful for everything you and mother have built, for everything Grandfather Cumberland and Grandma Jenny did so I could be free, but I am free. Free to make my own choices, and I don't want to work myself to death behind the counter of a store, waiting on a man to get off from his job of pressing elevator buttons for white folks all day so I can go home and cook and keep house and go nowhere. Don't you bad mouth any man doing that kind of work. I will not allow it. I'm sorry, but I want more for myself. You don't want a man who earns an honest living working for white folks, but you want to listen to what one white boy has to say about your life? I love him, Daddy. I trust him. You can't even marry him, baby girl. I don't think I want to get married or have any children. You giving up everything this family has ever done? Everything? For some white boy who won't even step foot in this house until the sun is down? I'm not giving up on me. I want to see what my life is like, not this extension of yours. Over 50 years. Gone so you can sing. Your mother is rolling over in her grave. I hope my father's so deep in heaven, he can't hear none of this. Mother taught me piano. Our house was always filled with music. Is it so hard to imagine me making a life out of song? No, I guess not. But what's going to happen to everything this family has done? The community is leaving us, Mimi. And now you're leaving me too. I'm not leaving you. I'm just becoming myself. And who was that? Bridget, the bronze balladeer. What? Bridget, that's, that's the name Peter and his connections think I should use to sell records and put on shows. We named you after the woman who gave my daddy food and shelter. The woman who helped my mother and father get together. None of us would be here without her. And you want to change your name? I'm always going to be Miriam. That name means something to me and this family. Daddy... Hey, Mimi, you, uh, you ready? Hello, sir. You aren't even going to stay for supper? You had this, uh, you had this Peter waiting for you outside? Yes, sir. Well, go on then. You said everything you had to say. I love you, Daddy. Have a good night, Bridget. Come by the store anytime. This little thing the world's talking about, talking about, and I'm certainly not gonna do without, without a doubt, I've got what it takes, I've got what it takes, but it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. Be right there.
The Weeksville Project, Mimi Harrison, Part 3, written by Nicole Perkins, performed by the Bonfire Radio Theater Ensemble. Thank you to our Bonfire Radio Theater Ensemble cast, Aisha Terman, Derek Cross, Ashley Miles, David Roberts. This concludes the story of the Harrisons. The Weeksville Project was produced for Bonfire Radio by Keisha T.K. Dutess and Conscious, with sound design by Cedric Wilson, podcast artwork by Fresh Daily, with additional gratitude to the Brooklyn Arts Council and the Weeksville Heritage Center for making this possible. Please rate and review The Weeksville Project. It helps us get noticed. To support the future of work like this, visit bonfireradio.com to make a donation. Thank you. Now, this was a one-time production from TK and Conscious, who until recently were best known for producing TK in the AM, a community radio show full of music and discussion in Brooklyn, and they recently closed out the show with their thousandth episode. We're barely halfway there, folks, at RDR, and the thousandth episode with special guests and live performances and all other sorts of wild stuff. You'll hear more from TK next week when we play my interview with her. If you want to learn more about Weeksville and the Weeksville Heritage Center, visit bit.ly slash saveweeksville. Through the end of June 2019, the Heritage Center is raising money to keep their doors open through the rest of this year. Help support their efforts, help make people aware of Weeksville, and if you were touched by what you heard today, share this episode with someone who might like it. Weeksville was rediscovered in 1968. Let's make sure it's never forgotten again. You can keep an eye on what TK and Conscious are up to on Patreon at patreon.com slash bondfireradio. That's B-O-N-D-F-I-R-E radio. It's been idle for a year, but if I know TK, there's more work in the offing. You can support our work on Patreon at patreon.com slash radiodramarevival, and you can follow us on Twitter at radiodrama. Visit our website at radiodramarevival.com, where you can read our bios and investigate our archive. Now, in case you missed it, We're hiring for a new social media manager. James Oliva is departing us because he has too many other responsibilities. Now, if you're interested, send us an email at submissions at radiodramarevival.com with your resume, a link to your favorite social media account that you run, some of your favorite tweets. These can be tweets that were especially engaging, that were particularly good at driving traffic, that provided useful and important information, or even tweets that just brought you joy. And finally, send over a paragraph or two of writing as to why you think you'd be a good fit for the role. The position is paid although intermittently and, to be frank, not very much. I'm also happy to answer questions at that same email address, submissions at radiodramarevival.com. Radio Drama Revival gives priority to marginalized and underrepresented voices, especially those in radio and podcasting. So if you're looking for a place to spread your wings, think of us. I look forward to hearing from you. And now, your moment of will. Hey friends. So, cutesy trivia didn't really seem like quite the right fit this week. Instead, I thought that I would bring you some of the works of a Brooklyn poet named Mahogany L. Brown. 
Mahogany L. Brown helped organize the 2016 Women of the World Poetry Slam, which was actually held at the Pratt Institute in Brooklyn. The poem I'm going to read to you today is one in a set of four called Brooklyn Tongue. This is Brooklyn Tongue 2. The woman makes herself at home in the seat of a fold-out chair. The storefront is her day gig. She sells loose cigarettes for two quarters until her red hoodie bulges tumor-sized on her right side. She uses her left hand to wave to the children coming home from school. They live in her building, or up the block. They my babies, she sighs. The crease between her cheek and nose look heavy some days. But on good days, when the sun is high and the wind whistles through Crown Heights like a young man with his first paycheck, she wears a jet black wig cropped behind her unpierced ears and powders her nose to dull its shine. Her smile dances of several missing teeth. The butt of her cigarette is a bronze pendulum swinging amber into the dusk. I'll leave a link to that poem and a few others by Mahogany L. Brown in the show notes. I'll also bring you another one of her poems in this series next week. Thank you, Will. Now it's time for the credits. Our theme music is Danger Diggy Doo by DJ Stranger Danger. You can find his music on SoundCloud. Our line producer and associate interviews producer is Will Williams. Our senior interviews producer is Eli McElveen. Our associate producer is Sean Howard. Our researcher is Heather Cohen. Elena Fernandez-Collins is our submissions editor. I am currently our social media manager, but I'd like you to be. Our executive producer is Fred Greenhouch. And I'm your host, David Reinstrom. And this has been Radio Drama Revival. All storytellers welcome.